Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Okay, sir, let's start with um, more coaching changes. We talked about this a couple weeks back, and I told you that uh, last year was the first season in which there were no coaching changes made since the expansion year of 1967 and and I think we're easily going to make up for that in 2018-19 we're now at four let's start with yo not a surprise but but as you look now at what went wrong with the blues or certainly didn't go right for them early in the season Louis how much do you blame this on yo and how much of this is just a byproduct of trying to uh of the blues trying to to shake things up to get a jump start uh, for their team well, it's, it, you can't really say blame it on Yo. Obviously, he's the coach, and, and and you can't trade all the players. And they've really, uh, uh, since last Christmas, I think, they, they, they've been unhappy with the way they played. And after the moves they made in the offseason, where they really were thought to have upgraded their team and made some great additions, and to come out and right now be at the bottom of the league, just ahead of L.A. is the only one, I think. So it's very disconcerting, and and obviously uh, you're quarter way through the season, which means you've that's a significant part to have gone, mm-hmm. but you still have plenty of time to turn it around. So you, as a general manager, Doug Armstrong's got to make a decision. You know, am I really thinking that something might change? It am I seeing something different than I've seen since last December? And he thought that he wasn't, so that's why he's making the change. Louis, are coaching changes in in, uh, in situations like this are are they made because teams for for the most part aren't pleased with their coach, or is this is this just the first step to try and jumpstart the entire team and players? And then obviously, if this step does not work, your next step, if you're the GM, if you don't get fired yourself, of course, is to start to trade players. Well, I think that this is the, uh, the first step is to jumpstart the team, and you, you you know you think you need a new voice, you think they they got to get somebody else in there to get their attention that they're not going to be able to do it with the coach and 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 secondly it is uh because you're not happy with what the coach has has been able to get out of the team and as you said you know the general manager only has so many times that he can go to the well and make changes and if they don't if they're not the right changes and you've done everything else you wanted to do you've added players like you wanted and you're not getting any results and you know he's he's also putting himself in a position where it could affect him. So uh, they got to do something. There's no doubt about that. I, I love Mike Yo, but you you can't with that hockey team after 20 games be sitting where they're sitting and not expect something to have happened. 
What uh, what in season change when, when you were GM of the North Stars did you make that you felt was the most effective? Which which in in season coaching change that you made did you come away saying that 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 worked as as you had hoped it would, Lou Nanny? Well, the, the the ones that I made in season uh, weren't weren't hiring guys that were going to be with long term, and a lot of that because you know we had uh, Glenn Thunmer, who I think was a tremendous coach. But he had, you know, his uh, situation that uh, he was dealing with an alcohol problem that we were dealing with, and we didn't make it public or anything. And and, and so we made short-term changes because I, I didn't want to get rid of him, and I kept bringing him back because he, he he was a terrific coach. But we had to take care of his health first. So sure. there were two, three times where we had to go to Murray Oliver and and. Uh, and just finish the season and do that. When we made significant changes, I think the, the one time might have been when we went to uh, Bill Mahoney. And uh, Mahoney was a new guy. No one knew about him. I, I thought he did a very good job coming in in that first year. And then early on in the second year, we were just we were spiraling a bit early, and, and so we made a change. But... Uh, I think we went back to Glenn at that time. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I had a number of coaching changes, but they all all seemed to revolve right back to Glenn because we had Glenn there for so long. You fired Lauren late, right? Yeah, Henning. I, yeah, I fired uh, Lauren Henning near the right near the end of the year. And that that was what was that to potentially get get a jump start for the no, playoffs because you were, weren't pleased or there were other circumstances okay. I want to talk about that. Uh, gotcha. We we made that decision. Gotcha. So what what did you think about what the Oilers did, which is they allowed uh, McClellan, their coach, to board a plane to San Jose to coach a game last night, and then I guess they called him in early in the morning in San Jose yesterday and said, you know what, on second thought, Todd, you're fired, and Hitchcock got, got the job. Ordinarily, I would think that if you're going to to release or fire a coach, that, that you'd probably do it while he's at home. But in this case, they actually traveled him and then made the decision to make the change. Yeah, that was that was different. That was unique. I mean, you you've had other coaches fired on the road. That happens a lot. But to have traveled to the game and then not coach a game and make the change, that that was different. And uh, I think it was, you know, it's got to be extra surprising to the coach because he's already made the yeah. trip there thinking at least the way I know when the coach this game maybe we'll get him turned around tonight but I don't. Is Hitch a good fit there, do you think? Well, you know, I I've always been a big fan of Ken Hitchcock's and I uh really came very close to hiring him one time and, and I'm I sort of regret the fact that I didn't. But uh for that team right now at this stage of the game, I I personally would have gone another way because uh, what I love about Ken Hitchcock is he teaches his team to play very, very good defensively. He's a big reason why uh, Madano improves his, his defensive game so much. But but the young kids and the speed and the kind of team they got right now, I'm uh, wondering if that fit's going to be right because I think if anything they they got to get they got to get the production out of the forwards that they got besides McDavid who always produces. Yep. And Dre Setti. So I, I think that uh, it was surprising. I know it was surprising to a lot of people. It was surprising to me, and it was surprising to me because Hitchcock, when he was in St. Louis, remember, and he went to Doug Armstrong, he says he wants to coach one more year, and then he was going to retire. Yes. And he went to the extra half year. Doug made the change, and Hitchcock said he's retiring, and that was going to be it. 
and now he came out of retirement. And and so that I, I think that took everybody aback because uh, that's the one guy that I don't think anybody was really thinking would come out of retirement and 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 whether he'd be a good fit for that team or not. Third time, right, too, Lou? Didn't he say he was done at one point with the profession after the Blues job, and then he took the Dallas job? And then I know he came out after last year and had some quotes about the game, you know, the game has changed, blah, blah, blah. So if I'm not mistaken, to your point a couple weeks back, this is the third time that he's essentially said, I'm done coaching, and then said, you know what, on second thought, I'd like to coach again. And that's You're not, right, they don't uh, quit. That's not unusual among coaches. <laughs> I don't think they ever retire. They think they retire. And they get out of it for a very short time, and then they want to get back into it. The coaches love to coach, and they and they really aren't concerned about what age age they are or where they are after they've had just a little short respite. They want to get back into it. So that was something that, uh, uh, even though I'm surprised, it's not unusual. That that job in particular, Lou, to me as well, seems like an absolutely plum job. I mean, if you could if you could write that ship. And, and that ship starts with uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl as your top two players. That thing, I think, could be an absolutely a fantastic uh, coaching job. Well, you're right there. But if he doesn't, then the general manager is going to be gone. Because uh, uh, this was, I think this is his last kick at the can to get that, that team going. Otherwise, I think the owner is going to make a change at general manager. They, they've waited this long. They've had so many first picks or you know, and especially in the top four, and, yep. and uh, not to be not just a playoff team. They take a look across the, the country and look at the Maple Leafs, and don't ever kid yourself that all the Canadian teams do. They wonder what's happened there. And how about Montreal coming out of nowhere and, and playing as well as they have? So Edmonton was the best player in the game being there and still battling, not making the playoffs this year and not being one of the better teams yet this year. Uh, it's it's the general manager's job that's on the line right now, and and it is a terrific job because you got the best player in the game playing for you, and from there you got to you got to fill in around them. But uh, it's a nice piece of the puzzle to start with. Taylor Hall trade is on uh, Charlie oh, as well, right? Oh, I mean that I, I, that trade I just couldn't believe at the time. I just could not believe Taylor Hall. Well, he won the most valuable player in the league last year, but yeah. Taylor Hall is a tremendous talent. Uh, Adam Larson is a sound defense, but he's no Taylor Hall, and so traded Taylor Hall because uh, maybe they were—I I can't believe it—but maybe they were thinking about salary cap. But I'd love to have those salary cap problems when you got McDavid, Taylor Hall, Dry Settle, and uh, Nugent Hopkins up front. That—that's that, a heck of a core to start with. That's how you build a hockey team, and and I know they needed a defenseman, but I don't think they got the kind of defenseman back that. Warren's giving up a Taylor Hall. Not for him, no. Not not even close, right? No. no. Larson's a nice player, but but he, he's a nice player. And he was it, a high you, pick, as you remember. He's yeah. second overall. And maybe sometimes, you know, when you're making deals, that uh, sometimes you justify and say, well, look, he was he, he went this high. Well, yeah, but he was the wrong pick at that, at that <laughs> at second. Then. Coach, who is, in your mind, most likely in trouble next? I mean, we're, we're at four, so it's going to get to five. You well, know that. Yeah, I know, but I think, um, I think maybe Bootner in, in Florida has got to watch out. He's going to have to make the playoffs, or they'll make a change there. They, they had a, a, a slow start, came back and ran some off, and now they're tailing off a little bit. So I think that uh, he's he's one guy that uh, he's got to see that club do much better, or he could be in trouble.
Pittsburgh a concern, do you think? I don't think they're a concern. This guy's won a, you know, a couple of Stanley Cups. I know. He wouldn't be a concern for me. <laughs> Let me put it that way. So I, I don't think he's in any kind of a concern. You've got to remember that their older players are, get, are getting older. I mean, their better players are getting older. And, and they've had a tough time last year and a half trying to fill in around that because, uh, you know, nobody's going to just give you anything and you're not going to trade some of your key players. Uh, you know, sometimes you talk about a little tank at traded, but when you got a cornerstone on defense, you've got Crosby and Malkin up front, and Kessel. Kessel could get traded, although, you know, he's been a big piece of that team. He's played yeah. extremely well for them, and he's been a reason, one of the reasons why they won a couple cups, but right now, I, I wouldn't be blaming a coach. You know, you you got to start filling in some of the holes, because uh, it's a tough thing to do when you're always winning, you're picking late, and nobody's going to give you anything there. Buffalo. This club, what, they came back, they were down uh, 2-0 to the Wild on Saturday into the third period and came back and won 3-2. And then I was watching the game a couple nights ago, and they're playing in Pittsburgh, and I think they're down 4-1 or something and and come back. This is a nice club. They're playing well. well. they got some really good young players because that's the guy who would have been in, Phil would have been in trouble had they not had this kind of start now because they've really uh, been able to add a, a couple of future stars in the league. When you got Eichel and you got Darlene to start with those two of the players, then they... You know, they, they had a few players up front around them. They've improved the goaltending, it seems, a bit. And the rest of the line has played very well in defense for them. They, they got some good balance. A postal comes in from from uh, the Islanders, mm-hmm. and he's always been a good, solid player. And, uh, you know, when you, when you look at them, they're, they're a team that can skate and play, and, and they're young and they're going to be fun to watch. And so that was really good for Phil. I was happy for him that they were able to get such a good start going and, and, and be so tough the way they're playing. Louis, is Detroit a complete dumpster fire or not? Because they, they got off to the terrible start, certainly had some guys hurt. They've come back and played well. And I ask you, because to circle back to our discussions earlier about them, the one thing is I sort of like the tanking thing that, that, that we've talked about. And now they've come back and played pretty well. What's your take on the uh, Detroit Red Wings? Well, they got some good young players, but they're not where they're going to be yet. They've had such a long run of being so successful. Kenny Allen has done a magnificent job there. But after you go 20-some years or 25 years or missing the playoffs, whatever it was, and you're always picking high and, and you know, really uh, you're in a situation where it takes time to develop. And, and they've always been a team that let young guys go to the minors for a year or two to develop because they could afford it because they always had, you know, guys like Zetterberg there and, and, and <clears throat> leading the team in depth. And so you, you could – build around those guys at a slower pace. Now that their their stars for so many years have all retired, now they got to start, you know, developing new stars. It takes some time. Larkin's terrific. Anastasio, however you pronounce his name, is very good. Yeah, he really they had the fourth pick this year. I think he's going to be good. They start him off in the minors. And Howard's been giving him good goaltending lately, but you got the number of holes that uh, it takes time to fill, and they're still fun to watch. They're fast. They skate. They they play the Red Wing way, and I think they'll get good, you know, pretty soon. But uh, it takes time. Golden Knights, are, are they just where, where I mean, the, the first year was such a great year, but as we, we know, that's probably not a realistic course or path. Have they just sort of come back to where they should be now as an uh, expansion team in their second year? Well, that's what I think. I, I, it's not that they come back. I, I still think they're a quality enough team to make the playoffs. Uh, they do have that kind of team. They could make it or not make it. I didn't 
think that they were capable of being where they were last year, and they, you know, they exceeded everybody's expectations, including mine. And I do think that uh, right now you're water seeking its own level somewhat, but right. I, I still think they they got a lot of good things in that team that that make them dangerous every game. Concerned about the uh, club here after the back-to-back defeats to uh, Buffalo and Chicago, or is that just more of a blip in your mind? No, I'm. I told you I'm going to be concerned all year long. You know, <laughs> the, the fast start like get me of. jacked up one way or the other. Yep. And losing two out of three doesn't get me jacked down <laughs> the other way. Uh, I I still think that they're going to have to resolve a goal-scoring problem. And uh, I, I love their def- this defense is going to be productive all year long. And if the goaltending continues the way it's been for the most part, I, they've had terrific goaltending. So I, uh, I just hope that some of the guys reach new levels up front and score some goals. But, uh, you know, I, I didn't get carried away when they were in second place because I know it's still 82 games. And so I, I picked them for on a 92-point season. I think 92 Ooh. can make it, and I think that's going to be the lower end of making it. It's going to be 92 or 94, and I think they got a battle to get there. How do we or how do they get or capture the, the game that Coyle played last Thursday against the Canucks is the type of game where you say to yourself, there is definitely, there's definitely more there because he played a fantastic game. How do you think a guy like that could capture that game? And let's just say it's not an every-game basis, but it's, you know, once a week or something like that, Louis. Well, man, that was a good game. I mean, work ethic has never been his problem. He works as hard as anybody on the team before the game, after the game, and during the game. And he's got skills. To me, it's more of a a mindset. And I think that it's something. Sometimes, as an individual, you got to talk yourself into playing a certain way all the time. And if you don't remind yourself about it, you get away from it. And I really think that he's the type of guy that. Uh, uh, if, if I were him, I, I'd be doing two things. One, remembering to shoot every time I got a good shot because he overpasses. Yep. And secondly, to uh, to make uh, aggre- aggression part of your game. And I'm not saying being dirty, but I'm saying being physical and strong at all times. And, and you know, one of the things he could do that he doesn't do, and I'm, I'm saying it might cost a couple of penalties longer away, but I like to see him retaliate sometimes. The guys give him a bad shot or a cheap shot. Give him a shot back, take the penalty, but let everybody know you're not doing this stuff to me. Absolutely. And when you, when you do that, you, you get more of a fire in your game, and you you also get uh, uh, more space because people realize, I mean, this is a big, strong kid, and uh, you don't want him to have people think he's got a, an easygoing personality. You want him to think when, when he's on the ice, uh, he's got a mean personality. It's okay to be mean on the ice. It's great to be mean. And and I think that that would really help us game. Why do you think we are now, and, and I don't recall that this being the case 30 years ago, but it seems like now, to your point about shooting, there's a lot of guys who don't want to shoot first. Why do you think? <clears throat> well, you know, many times uh, all these guys are stars where they come up and they're able to make these pretty plays and everybody – you know, rebels and and what a play! Look at that goal! And 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 they start developing uh, a habit. It's not a good habit of of looking for the right play and or the pretty play rather than the right play. And and they forget that the name of the game is scoring goals. 
and it never changes because you don't score goals unless you shoot. Mm-hmm. And you've got to shoot the puck. And, and for an odd reason, if you look if you look at the mentality of players on a team, very few have the shoot-first mentality. And sometimes they think, you know, especially for young guys, you don't want to have a veteran mad at them because he, they, he was opening a wing, he didn't give them the puck or something. But I always, I always tell people that, that I talk with and that are playing hockey, let's start with a 2-on-1 or 3-on-2 or 4-on-3 or 4-on-2, any one of those situations. An odd man situation, you know what the primary thing to do is? Get a shot on net. Anytime you have an outnumbered situation, you should say, I can't leave this situation without a shot on net. So you don't try to make the pass if, you, if it might be blocked. you got to end up with a shot on net. That's how you score goals. And I don't think enough of the team members have that kind of thought. I think you're exactly right. You know what strikes me? Granlund. I'd love to see him shoot way more. Yeah, look he's at when he shoots sometimes. He's got a, a sneaky uh, yeah. hard shot and is very accurate. Exactly. Uh, should Paul Fenton uh, call uh, Toronto about Nylander and possibly trying to uh, make a trade there? Because it would obviously cost you a lot, but to get back to players who can score goals and who could definitely help your club up front, he uh, he could do it. Well, um, if he does call, who's he going to give up? That's that's my question to okay. you is so what, he, what would you offer or wouldn't you? Here's what's going to happen. Yep. It's not what you want to give up. It's what you're going to have to give up. Absolutely. So what you're going to have to give up is one of uh, – you can't give up Suter because he's not tradable, and you wouldn't want to give him up. Mm-hmm. So now you're talking you've got to give up Dumba. It's going to be Dumba. Okay. Okay? Because they want, to, they want a defenseman first and foremost on that team because they have so many quality forwards. So you've got to package Dumba with somebody else that's somewhat productive. Yeah, no, thank you. Yeah, so how are you going to do it? <laughs> I'm not doing that then. You no, know, it's not. I was just curious what you done. thought. It's not going to get done. I, w- I was laughing the other day because Ranger writers are saying, "Well, you know, uh, maybe we will give up Brady Shea and and, and Kreider." Well, you know, Kreider's been a streaky player, but he has got 11 goals this year, and he is big, strong, and fast. And before you start giving up, you know, a Kreider and a Shea, or you know somebody else on defense that they want and I mean you, you got to start thinking okay if I get Nylander in here and he's not playing with Austin Matthews what can I expect out of him yeah okay I uh, he's averaged I think 62 points a year so say without Matthews or something he averages 56 has it you know has really a good season 56 well when you get it all is said and done Kreider's going to be within five six seven points of that and then you've given up a defenseman yeah, I think if I think if they said Dumba, I'd say have a great day and that well, there's would be no that. question you're gonna say Dumba. Right, right. But I'm just and that's the, to your point. Defense is first and foremost. So yeah, I mean you don't even have to make that call because they they're they're just gonna say that that's you know would, that's a given. Would you hang up or or would would you at least entertain that discussion if that was you? Entertain the discussion? Yeah. Well, it all depends what the other piece is and. You know, I got to tell you, I, I I think different. Some guys, I like to build defense first. And yep. Where you, you give up Dumba, he's a young guy. Where are you going to get another one right away like that? Well, you're not. So that's why I wouldn't be giving you're him right. up. Yeah, and I I think we also learned because now now I hear people say, well, I mean, but look, the Wilds got all these defensemen and they're good, and I say, okay, but 
But uh, two years back, we said, well, they got Scandella, so just trade him. That's fine. And I thought Scandella was missed a lot. And it's not that he was a great player, no. but but solid D men are hard to find. Right. And and you and I think the problem that the people in my business and sports fans make is we take depth for granted until it's gone. Well, if you want to, just all you have to do is go look over 350 miles uh, east of here, and you see when the downfall started. And not that that's the main, the only reason, but to me. It's a large reason, and I guarantee it's at Quenville it was, too. It's when the Hawks traded Jarmelson. Yeah, oh, I, and he was a great player. He, we both agreed on that. Tremendous player. Solid player. Tremendous player. I mean, I, that's all I used to say all the time. Was, Boy, I wish we'd get Jarmelson. I'm not talking about Keith and Seabrook. Everybody knows they're great and they're good. But it was, Jarmelson was just sneaky in there. Yep. Tremendous. And boy, was Quinville upset when he got traded. And Quinville right now, Lou, I think is the happiest guy on, on the face of the earth because he's doing shots before Bears games and getting paid well and doesn't have to coach that team now. <laughs> You're right. Do, I didn't know do he you was see that? There. I didn't see him on before the Bears game. He was uh, at the Bears-Vikings game tailgating with some guys doing a thing they called the shot ski. Oh, I missed it. Oh, it was I fantastic. It. it was great stuff. <laughs> well, it's going to be tough for him to get a job if Chicago maintains uh, their position that they won – so much money, you know, for him to go. Yeah, because I'm, I'm sure the Blues would absolutely love to get oh, him yeah. back if they could. They'd but Scott, the kind of money. Yeah, I, I've heard between three and ten million. Woo. They want so ten million bucks. Wow. All right, sir. Happy Turkey Day. Thanks, Louie. I appreciate Have the time as always. Okay, you yep. too. Take care. Bye bye.